Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. In continuation of our female guests for the first quarter of 2020 and celebrating successful women in the real estate industry, we have Kavitha Baratake joining us today. Kavitha, thanks so much for being on with us. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Kyle and Lalita. Thanks for being here. Well, I'm looking forward to your interview and all the information and value you'll provide our listeners. So here we go. Kavitha is an Austin-based accredited real estate investor and a full-time multifamily sponsor with over 10 years of investing experience in both single-family and multifamily real estate. She is currently invested in over 1,800 units in San Antonio, DFW, Atlanta, and Phoenix as a limited partner and over 450 units as a general partner and key principal. Besides being an active investor herself, she is passionate about educating investors on passive investments and helping them on their own journey toward financial freedom. Sounds like you have so much knowledge and experience to share with us, so let's get started. And can you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Sure. Um, I am also a mom. Uh, I have a 15-year-old daughter. Um, I recently moved to real estate full-time. So as you mentioned, I do multifamily investing. I like educating people and I've realized that's sort of my passion and I'm going with it. Um, Yeah, and I love dancing. I love uh, socializing. I love networking. So I attend a lot of events. Perfect. Thanks for that. Well, today we're going to talk mainly from a passive perspective, but we might get into the active side as well. So first question I have is just there's so many deals out there right now because, you know, multifamily syndication is a is a hot asset class. And uh, with so many sponsors coming in as a passive investor, people are seeing more and more deals out there. How are you vetting those deals and deciding which sponsor to go with when maybe you have, you know, five really good relationships with sponsors and all of them have a deal at the same time? Sure. Um, I think for me, the sponsor is obviously really important. I do have a few sponsors that I work closely with and I trust. And uh, it so happened that, you know, not everybody comes up with a deal at the same time. So that's been good in the sense we've we've had some uh, breaks between the deals. But I think uh, for me, when I choose to work with sponsors, A couple of things are really important. Of course, everything like the track record and what they've done so far is important, but more so their integrity and the fact that they're there to establish a long-term business and just not, you know, doing a one-off deal is really important to me. So in the sense of continuity of working with a sponsor, the people I trust. So I think I've built up a good number of sponsors uh, connections with a good number of sponsors now that I continue to work with them on multiple deals. How do you go about building those relationships and really testing their integrity? Because that's something that's very difficult to do, especially if you're only meeting them for, you know, a, a month or two. 
Right. Uh, luckily, I've, I've connected with sponsors who've had, uh, who've have known for a while, um, especially because I started with a mentoring group uh, in 2017. So I've had continued contact with them. Um, and some of them I've invested as a passive as well. So my long-term goal is to establish a few of those connections and not necessarily do hundreds of deals, but to rather work with people I really trust. And I think uh, if I haven't established that trust, I look for, for example, this current deal that I'm working on and wrapped up uh, raise on is uh, where I didn't know the new sponsors just as very well, but one of the people that I really trust and has have worked with earlier happened to know them and actually was working on this deal with them. So she brought me on to this deal and, um, it just worked out because um, now I trust her sort of like the trust is conveyed. Yeah. Okay. So when you're first kind of taking a look at a deal, how far are you getting into the market and the neighborhood of the property that you're considering investing in? Uh, pretty deep. Uh, so I, I try to visit the property whenever I can, you know, if it's, if it's something that I'm, my investors are bringing, I'm bringing my investors into, I want to make sure that I understand everything about that deal. And that includes going on site and checking out the property and what it has to offer. Uh, I also, before I even get up there, I look at, of course, the underwriting and the numbers and make sure that all of that lines up. Uh, but I also get into Google data, Google maps, and look at what's around there because the one thing I've realized is the market might be good, the sub-market might be really good too, but sometimes from street to street, things can change. So zip codes don't really get that essence or convey the essence of what the deal is about because I, I've invested in San Antonio. I own, I own homes there. I realized every street, is, things differ from street to street, right? So it's really important for me to know what I'm dealing with as far as the location of the property is concerned because I think that's one of the uh, big predictors of success besides, of course, the sponsors themselves. So I use, I'll, I'll use the city data and Google data and whatever else I can find and look at the retail around the place, but there's no substitute for actually visiting the property. And uh, the last deal I did, I actually had some of my investors join me there as well and walk through the property, which was really nice. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, even if there's a Starbucks a block away, you know, that may be a good signal. But if it's on the wrong street, you're not going to know unless you're walking down that street and really taking a look at that market by driving it. So I completely yeah. agree there. What are some of the things that you look for when you are kind of driving on the Google Maps uh, as far as retail and things like that? Um, just like you said, you know, what is, what is, what's around, what are the star, what is it, is it Starbucks or is there a Walmart? I mean, it's fine if it's a class C area, but right now I'm kind of looking at a class B or better. So I'm looking at retail stores in and around like a one mile radius or two mile radius that support that kind of population and demographic. Um, so yeah, uh, maybe, you know, maybe it's a Walmart or maybe it's an HEB in Texas here. Uh, because again, these people do a lot of research before they put a retail store there, right? So why not capitalize on that research and know what market you're getting into? Yeah, 100% leverage the experience of others, right? Not just yourself. Perfect. So as a passive investor, what are the top three things you look for in a sponsor? And I know you mentioned integrity already, but what others do you look for before investing with them? 
Um, their track record, it's important to me, you know, what have they done in their deals before? How have they handled the deals? Uh, communication, it, I think it's a very important aspect of wh why I work with people or who I work with is how do they communicate? Are they responsive to my questions? Because I've had sponsors who blew away questions, right? Like they were like, people will just invest with you without asking questions. Why should I deal with someone with questions? But I feel like that's sort of the wrong approach because when you ask investor questions, uh, when investors ask questions and you take time to answer them, it really creates that rapport. And you know that in the future, when you're working with them, they're going to be responsive. You know how they work, right? And they're transparent. And I think that transparency is really important to me when I work with someone. If you find out that a sponsor has had a pretty good track record, but maybe he's had one major fail or one or two um, properties that didn't work out. Is that a red flag and meaning it's a deal breaker for you? Or is that still something that you would consider um, investing in? I think it depends on the number of deals they've done and how many have gone wrong. If someone tells me they've been doing this for 10, 15 years and one or two deals went wrong, I think it's fine because it happens to the best of us. You're not going to have every deal, which is a success. Um, but I also think I want to hear it from the sponsor rather than from someone else, because that would really affect or change my perception of something they were trying to do. Right. So I feel like, a lot of times when I'm working with people, I realize that everybody talks about the success stories, but nobody talks about the failures. So you don't usually hear these failures from the sponsor. You hear it from the grapevine, and which I think can be a pretty negative aspect for me when I consider that the sponsor hasn't been upfront about you know, how their deals have gone. So that will probably be eliminate the sponsor right there and there, then and there. Um, Recently, I was working, I'm, I'm talking to a few other people in other, other uh, asset classes besides multifamily. And I was talking to one of these sponsors and he just was very upfront. I said, have you had any deals go wrong? And he started talking about what went wrong and, you know, and he got into the details of how it went wrong. And I totally said, that's fine. You know, you've done this for 12 years. Things go wrong sometimes. And you, and the best thing is you can learn from that experience and carry it forward. So you know what not to do. So. I think, um, yeah, I'm okay with a few failures, but if one, they've done only one or two deals and that's both of them have gone wrong, maybe I won't be so forgiving. Yeah, no, that's definitely would be an issue, but I, I agree. I mean, if you're being transparent, that's a good sign from a sponsor that you can be open and transparent about your past deals. So, yeah. okay. Um, going to uh, 506Bs versus 506Cs, do you lean, and this is from a passive investor standpoint, do you lean towards investing one or the other, or does that not really play a factor into your decision? Um, it doesn't play a factor into my decision, really, because I realized from the deals I've done, a lot of my investors are credited, so I'm as open to a 506C as, as a B. Okay. Okay. So since you help educate others on passive investments, and you mentioned that earlier, what are some of the topics you speak to them about to help them better understand uh, power of real estate? Uh, for example, I talk about a lot about multifamily personally, because that's the asset class that I'm most comfortable with. But I do get other guest speakers to come talk about other asset classes. So in a few weeks, I have someone talking about uh, hotels, hotel investments. So I think there are a lot of asset classes out there that aren't as popular as multifamily that are, I want to learn myself and also want my investors to be a part of. Uh, but personally, when I talk about multifamily, I'm looking at 
uh, forced appreciation, you know, some of the tax benefits of investing in multifamily, um, due diligence. How do you do due diligence as, as a passive? So when you get a passive uh, a packet from an investor or a sponsor, how do you analyze the deal? What do you make up the numbers? Because I mean, we all know you can take any any apartment and make it look good, right? The same deal. Just depends on what your assumptions are for the pro forma numbers. So my goal is to get down to like, we had a, a webinar recently on do, how to do due diligence for passive investments uh, as an investor, as a passive investor. So what are some of the things, numbers you should pay close attention to? Maybe it's the exit cap rate. Maybe it's the... Uh, crime rate of the location that you're investing into it. Yeah, some things like that. Okay. And how are you going about getting your investors? I know you mentioned the webinars, but where where's your main source coming from? Uh, a lot of it is word of mouth. I've realized as a as a sponsor that you work with someone, they tell their friends about you, their friends call you. So it's a, a huge number of my investors are, I used to be, I, I was in the technology industry, so I'm a software engineer and I have a lot of connections in the IT industry. So I think that's helped a lot. Uh, just knowing people and knowing people who have money and who don't know what to do with it. And that's sort of the problem we're trying to solve here. Uh, so as I get more investors into the deal and the deals are going well, they get their payouts, I, I get more referrals from there. Um, also, of course, the webinars, you know, I connect with investors through the webinars who connect to the content of the webinars and they reach out to me and say, hey, you know, if you have any deals, can you let me know? Okay. And you mentioned earlier that you are looking at a couple different asset classes outside of multifamily. What are some and why are you looking at those? I think for the reason you mentioned earlier, uh, the multifamily space has a lot of, I mean, it's really crowded right now. The cap rates are getting compressed. So I found that looking at some of the other asset classes, there isn't as much competition there. So when you're looking at it from a passive perspective, you go, why not? Why not look at other asset classes and see where my investors can put in their money? So I'm looking at hotels um, and I'm looking at um, mobile home parks. So I'm actually going to go to a mobile home park uh, boot camp re uh, in a few months to learn myself about it. But I realized that as a, as a single person, like as one person, I can't go out there and learn all the asset classes. That's not practical. But I do want to you know, expand my team and I sort of envision a team where we specialize in asset classes and we are able to bring multiple asset classes to our investors. Okay, great. So I know you have a Facebook group called Purely Passive Investor Group. Tell us about that group. What's the intent and the goal of the group? Sure. So it started with the fact that when I tried to get into multifamily, I found it like a little bit of an uphill battle. So I, I was in Austin and I was doing single family investing. I got to a point where I'm like, I don't think I want to manage one more tenant, one more house. I'm really done. <laughs> and then I um, started looking for like, how do I get into multifamily? You know, my goal at that time was like, maybe I'll do a 16 unit or a 30 unit by myself in San Antonio or somewhere close to Austin because Austin had gotten pretty expensive already. So I started talking to a few people and I really didn't know that many people who were not doing single family. I realized I was sort of boxed in. And this one uh, New Year's, I met a friend of mine and she uh, actually is a part of the Sumrock group in Dallas. And so she introduced me to, the, to Sumrock. Uh, 
or at least apartment investing. And she said, hey, you should come to our meetup in Austin. And that, that happened. And then I happened to see Brad Sambrock in another event, like Quest IRA event. It all happened within a, par, a, a span of a few days. And I ended up going to um, Dallas and learning and driving to Dallas every other weekend. So the point of the story is that my, my um, entry into multifamily was pretty long and drawn out. And I did a lot of trips to Dallas just to figure out passive, how to invest passively. Right. So I thought when I thought to myself, I'm like, it shouldn't be this hard to invest passively because all you're doing is money. You want to understand the deal, but you really are not going into that detail or depth that the sponsor is going into. So the purely passive investing group, my, my vision is, was, um, how do I educate these people who are really busy, who don't really want to drive every weekend to Dallas or wherever they are, you know, to learn, but want the uh, education to come to them. And that's where I kind of, I started a meetup group initially and I found that it was too localized. It's just Austin. And I said, a lot of investors started asking, hey, I want to learn too. Can you, I not only reach people in Austin, but I'm able to reach people throughout the country. Awesome. So you mentioned earlier that uh, multifamily is definitely overheated, which I agree with, but where do you see the performance of multifamily over the next five or 10 years? We all know, and we've been waiting for a few years of, to, for a downturn. So I do see a downturn. Uh, it's sort of inevitable. And we are starting to see the softening happening in the market, especially in single families. I start, I, I'm starting to see it in Austin. So I do feel there's a downturn, which is inevitable, but Multifamily is also, I think if your location's good, you know, if you are invested in a good location, you can tide over any downturns. And even if you have some vacancies because people lose jobs or whatever, we all know that multifamily is one of those assets uh, which will tide over a recession pretty well. So I feel pretty confident going forward because all the properties that I'm choosing are in great class B locations or better. Um, the one thing I've seen with some class C locations, and I've been a part of a cl multiple class C location deals, is that the bad debt is what kills the deal. It's not the occupancy. The occupancy is still up there 100% or 98%, but the bad debt is so high. And I feel like when, it, when a recession hits, it's going to get even worse. Mm -hmm. The delinquencies and the bad debt. So that's sort of what my goal is right now. I'm staying away from those class C locations and focusing on B or better. And I feel we'll be fine. I mean, we'll just tide through. And honestly, I don't anticipate, personally anticipate another 2008 because I think there were other precipitating factors which set off 2008, like the subprime crisis. So I anticipate that we will have a downturn, but I don't think real estate is going to see that magnitude of uh, that 2008 was. Yep. Agreed. Perfect. Lolita is going to take us into our final five questions. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Here we go. What advice would you give to women out there looking to get started in real estate investing? Okay, let's start here. Um, so one of the thing is perceptions that I've had to deal with because the minute you tell people, hey, I'm a real estate investor, they're looking at you a realtor, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not a realtor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, it's fine. It's a perception thing. And I came from a tech background where I always had that. Like I was knee deep into coding and, you know, um, t technical stuff. And people would ask me if I was from marketing and sales every time I went to a technical conference. So that's a perception issue. And I realize it's there as much in real estate as it is in uh, technology. Uh, so I think that's one thing you just have to 
for the lack of a better word, suck it up to and know that there will be a perception which is not necessarily favorable for you as an investor, especially when you start sponsoring and start leading people to invest in apartments or something big, right? Um, I think the other thing is figure out what your strengths are, what you bring to the table, uh, because apartments or any large multifamily investment or any large asset class investment is not a one man show, right? I've seen a lot of people and I've done this myself. I'm guilty of this where I just wanted to underwrite. I wanted to do the deal. I wanted to do everything myself. And that was sort of a non-starter because the more I tried to underwrite and get in touch with the brokers and do all of that stuff, uh, I wasn't really getting anywhere. I was sort of spinning my wheels. This is a team sport and take advantage of a team, build a good team, build a strong team that'll help you. Uh, the team which has experience and bring, uh, will bring that to you and give you credibility when you don't have it, right? Initially you start, we all start with zero credibility. So how do you build that credibility? Um, I think it's also important to brand yourself where, where people look at you and go, oh, that's a real estate lady, you know, not necessarily a realtor, but you're a real estate investor. And that's a brand that you should build way before you ask people for money or get into any of that. Right. So uh, unknowingly, I had built that brand because I've been posting about real estate for the last 10 years, although I never asked people for money, I was doing my own deals right? Like I was doing single family deals, a smaller multifamily deals for a while. So I think it's important to uh, get that brand out there, like brand yourself as that real estate person or the go to real estate person that your friends look up to and say, Hey, you know, we should ask her about real estate. And that's a really good place to be. Um, but more importantly, let's say you're not, you're not a people person. You don't want to do that fast part of it. Figure out what you're good in and where you can bring, uh, what you can bring to the table when you partner with people. Attend a lot of events if you can. Network with people because that's the only way you'll get out there. And definitely, definitely find a mentor. Someone who will sort of lead you to the water and help you there. Awesome. All really good advice. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you cannot do without? Uh, probably the underwriting sheets. Uh, I don't think I could do without those. But uh, to be honest, for uh, the raising the capital, my investors are my lifeblood. So my CRM, how I connect with my investors, you know, mail, mail to them and connect with them. So that's pretty important too. Great. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and the main takeaway for our listeners? Sure. I'd start with, um, so luck, I've, luck, I've been lucky, I think, with real estate investing as far as my own ventures go, where I invested in single family and smaller multifamily. I think the market was really forgiving, right? you couldn't do anything wrong because if you put your money anywhere, you made money the last 10 years. But I think going forward is where we'll really know um, the good sponsors and the bad sponsors from the bad sponsors because the location will start to matter more. The deal mm -hmm. will start to matter more. Um, I incidentally invested in a couple of, um, in a deal two years ago, and you'd consider that the last two years have been pretty favorable but the location was not great. And what I learned from that experience is that I shouldn't invest with someone because I feel ob obligated. I hate to say it, but I did that because I felt like, oh, I know this person really well. I should invest with them and they, are, they need some more money. And I had some money as a passive then. 
So I just invested with them without doing my due diligence. So I think the biggest mistake you can make is put your money into an investment that you haven't taken time to understand. Yeah. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? So I recently, uh, a few months ago, went from full-time technology and part-time real estate to full-time real estate. So it's been a huge change for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how big a change it would be. And Kyle, I think you'd know, you've done this recently. Uh, You're used to that structure of nine to five and you know what to expect. And, you know, I'm doing real estate after hours or weekends or whenever, but still I I felt like I had that structure of a job around me and then I lost it. So I think discipline and um, just being accountable to myself has, has been a challenge and I'm really working on being disciplined, consistent and accountable. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things was this whole miracle morning routine that I really needed to establish that morning discipline, a morning routine to get my day started. Um, that's sort of my biggest challenge right now. And I see myself, if I get those three things, like my mindset, uh, being disciplined and um, being consistent in my efforts, I, I feel like I can, I can get to my goals, no problems. That is awesome. And finally, Kavitha, where can people find out more about you? Uh, I have a, a Facebook group called Purely Passive Investor Group. Uh, they can definitely reach out there. Um, uh, my website is cherrystreetinvestments.com. And uh, I'm av- also available if anyone needs to email me. It's Kavita, K-A-V-I-T-H-A at cherrystreetinvestments.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. I'll be sure to look out for your Facebook group and can't wait to follow you in your future accomplishments. Thanks, Lalita. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Great Kavita. talking to you both. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to limitless-estates.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.